It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in here to Talent Talk. It's another Tuesday. We are live and excited to have uh, two great guests with me today. You know, if this is uh, the first time you happen to be tuning into the show, you might be wondering what the heck we're doing and and how does this wing work? So you know, basically, I- I've had the privilege of meeting so many really cool and inspiring leaders, talking and thinking about so many great things that all of us as leaders, anyone who's trying to get better or manage people, uh, really should be thinking about. So here we have this opportunity and we have a conversation here every week and we talk about these things. What what are they thinking about? What are they doing with their talent? Uh, how are they making their companies better? And we try to learn from them and really pull out all their bits of wisdom, anything they'll, they're willing to share with us and hopefully give you something you can use down the road in your own career. Um, we've had so many wonderful stories that um, you know, I'm really proud of one of great achievement. Uh, I've released my first book. It's a bestseller. It's called The Power of Company Culture. And this book is really inspired by so many of the great guests and stories and things that we've talked about here um, over the last five years. And I'm um, really proud of that. I hope you'll check that out. Check out the stories and all the uh, great input from so many guests from Southwest Airlines to General Motors and, and incredible uh, thought leaders um, like Marshall Goldsmith and David Marquet. Uh, Mark Goldson. So anyways, check it out. Love to have you do that uh, and let us know what you think. Uh, Talent Talk, as I said, is live here every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. But most of you actually get us on the flip side. You get us on iTunes or listen to us on iHeartRadio. We love it. Thank you so much for for checking in on us, subscribing to those channels, making sure you do that. In fact, if you haven't done that, do that right now. Go subscribe to a channel. Make sure you're getting pinged when we have a new episode. Um, we already have an average of 10,000 of you a day downloading an episode on one of those platforms, and we're just super proud of that. You can also get us on talenttalkradio.com. If you have a question for one of my guests, uh, whether it's live or maybe it's after the fact, that's cool too. We'd love to have you send us uh, questions and comments, uh, even guest suggestions. Uh, send it to at peopleg 2 on, uh, on uh, Twitter. Use the hashtag talent talk. Helps my producer, Mike, find them. We'll make sure we interact with you there. Uh, you can also find us uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, everywhere. We're all over the place. Love to interact with you. All right. As I said, we have two guests on our show today, which is our normal format. Uh, my first guest will be Kenny Berger, president and CEO of WorkSearch.com. Uh, then we'll have a little commercial break, and we'll come back and have Charles Lee, the founder and CEO of Ideation Consultancy, um, in on the second half of the show. But without further ado, let's get to my first guest. Uh, Kenny, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you. It's uh, fun to be here. 
So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? What's important for us to know besides the fact that uh, you're from Alabama and love football? But you know, what what should we know about you? And of course, uh, WorkSearch.com. Well, originally, uh, you know, I'm an entrepreneur, and I got my start in the uh, disaster restoration business. You know, fire and storm, hurricanes, and I had uh, built my company starting in 2002 to uh, to now um, from pretty much nothing to uh, four locations in three different states, about $12 million in revenue. I employ approximately 50-plus amazing people that work for me. Um, And, of course, that being one of the reasons that I created WorkSearch was because I had a constant need for top talent, and my frustration uh, with using the outdated online search and hire process um, was what uh, gave me the ability to, to really create something unique with work there. So you found a need. You didn't couldn't find what you needed in the marketplace. So you went and built it yourself and started another business. It sounds like uh, an entrepreneur at heart. Well, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's fun and it's a headache and a heartache and a pocket ache sometimes, but uh, <laughs> you just have to work through it. So maybe we could talk a little bit about company culture. Maybe give us your thoughts, uh, your vision on why you think having a strong company culture can have such an impact on an organization. Well, you know, I think a solid company culture uh, incorporates diversity from the hiring process and throughout the employee's lifespan, you know, with the company. You know, it understands that inclusivity uh, inclusivity, and uh, is empowering and has a direct effect on both employee engagement and the bottom line. Uh, you know, when a candidate experiences what it's like to work in an environment where people are thriving, you know, it, it attracts and uh, it makes attracting and retaining talent much easier. Yeah, I agree. And it's amazing how when your culture starts plugging along and people are happy and uh, the kind of good referrals you get, right? They start wanting to bring in their other uh, friends or family or whoever it may be that's really good employees, uh, as opposed to the opposite, right? If you have a crappy culture, usually they'll invite your your lowest level people who you don't want inviting to the party will end up bringing in their other um, disgruntled friends to the party. So... (laughs) It's amazing what culture exactly can do right. on the impact of an organization. Yeah, um, when it's when it's fun for a place to work, you know, it, it's really uh, it's really empowering to see how everyone enjoys working together when they're all on the same page. And and maybe we, you know, part of company culture is really developing our people, developing our leaders. Um, is right. is leadership development been a core component for you in the success of of your different businesses? Oh, I, I agree. It, it, it's a major part uh, because if you and, and I've had this happen before. If you have, you know, a bad manager that doesn't really understand really the, the personalities and the characteristics of the people that work under him, uh, you can you can get some frustrated people and some upset people because of the way that you deal and the way that you uh, handle uh, people. You know, I believe leadership development is incredibly important. You know, because having the wrong person manager employees is is a quick route to not having enough employees to manage, you know, and um, the ones who stay are, are usually miserable. And uh, it's, uh, I think it's very important that managers understand how to deal with people on a daily basis. Yeah, I agree. And um, it really can, uh, I guess, set your company in the right direction. Um, you know, uh, you talked about finding the right people and starting worksearch.com. So, Maybe what were some of the things that you thought were broken in that process or broken in overall in the talent acquisition process? 
Well, the one of the, the well, there, there were so many things that I found in, in my frustrations and you know using those uh, online job boards uh, and sometimes recruiting companies, and it all depended on you know the 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 amount that I would pay an employee and the value that I would have to pay to find that person. So it got frustrating, and you know most of the websites they want three four hundred dollars to post, three or four hundred dollars to to search and the, the search results are not accurate and I'm getting tons and tons of wasted emails, um, people sending me resumes that are not even qualified. Uh, and it was just a waste of my time and my, my energy. And, you know, I could put in a website that I'm looking for a, an estimator and I get a truck driver and a nurse. And I was paying for all this up front and I always wondered, you know, why is there not a website? where you know it's like amazon you search you find what you're looking for then you pay for it and um i wasn't able to find that and so i uh, i that's that's how that's what got me started in in building work search because there's no privacy uh there's no anonymity out there there are people that are looking for jobs when they already have one say they're not employed they're at a, a where there's no the company culture is bad um and um they're looking for a new job, but they're afraid their employer will find it. They want to find a job before they can, and there's nowhere they can really go to search without any fear of retribution from their employer. Um, right. So, you know, and and that's kind of what uh, what I've created with Work Search. So, is that what you think makes Work Search different? Or are there other components to that as well? Well, the, the the biggest part about Work Search is free to post and it's free to search. And let's say that we match you up in the database with your the the talent that you're looking for and we, we do a skills based matching instead of using resumes and title search and all of that and um by doing that let's say as the job poster is matched up with a candidate say that's an 80 or 90 percent match well the job poster will purchase a 25 dollar contact token you know send a request to the seeker and the seeker if they're interested they will accept and pay a 10 dollar token to make the connection and if the seeker's not interested or one of the two in, in the party is not interested, then the token's returned and it's to be used on a, at a later date on another uh, candidate. So we don't require anyone to pay any money until both poster and seeker agree to connect. And, you know, the anonymity factor that we have, there's no data mining. You don't have to worry about your information being shared or sold and start, you know, email spam, you know, junk mail that you get and, because sometimes nowadays with these other sites, all you are is data. It seems like they really don't care about trying to connect you with an employer or connect you with uh, some great talent. Uh, they just want your data. And, and I believe that with the ability that we have with WorkSearch, uh, the anonymity factor actually helps us, uh, our employers, from any potential unintended biases in the hiring process because no one knows who anyone is and you're searching people strictly based on their skill set. Right, right, and that really gets into, I mean, it sounds like you have a really unique model there where, you know, you're kind of taking out some of the risk for people, you're helping them find the better connections, and as you said, when you actually find something you want to buy, then you pay for it, uh, which That's makes right. a lot of sense. Uh, makes a, a, it makes a lot of sense. sense to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know, um, you talked about being frustrated with, um, you know, not finding what you wanted um, and not having that experience you wanted. But, you know, I think probably every day we all run into things that we wish were better or wish there was a, a product or a service like that. And, you know, 
even if you are an entrepreneur, you don't necessarily run out to go and create something. What is it that caused yeah, so, you to really go out and do that, to, you know, take that leap and add on a second, um, you know, company under your belt? Well, when I was, uh, I had one of my locations in Dothan, Alabama, and I had an employee there who uh, was not uh, creating good company culture there, per se. <laughs> and uh, he was not following the processes that we've instilled that make our businesses and our locations successful. And I needed to go out and try to find, but you don't really want anyone to know that you're looking for their replacement. So that's kind of something that helps on the employer side. But to be able to go search, like I said, my frustration in, in, in using these websites and paying all this money with no guarantee of any results and, and the cost and the fees and then the data mining and, and that it's just the, the total spam and scam that I get in my inbox just by signing up on one of these sites is incredible. And, you know, like I said, I, I, would, I was paying to look for stuff that I wasn't actually getting. You know, I, I pay to look for an estimator, but I would get a truck driver or a nurse or an electrician, but that's not what I was looking for in search. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I just wondered, you know, why. And, and I wanted to be able to possibly hire my competitor's employees. And I wanted to figure out a way that the, the employee could actually search without their employer knowing about it. And so that was that was one of the things I started really looking and looking around. I saw there was nothing like that, and and um, I decided it had to be built. So I got started. So let's talk about the job uh, candidates. You mentioned that there is a bit of an anonymity there for them as job posters. Um, you know what? What are some of the benefits for them in, in having that kind of a scenario, right? Where they have that kind of anonymous profile. Um, what 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 were you thinking in that regards? Well, what we did was we created a method to where they can actually block their current employer from ever matching them in the database. So someone that is employed may not be happy where they're where they're working or they may want to seek out a better job or they're going to be relocating and they don't want anybody to know about it. They have the ability to post their profile and their information uh, on the site and they can put the information in of their employer and they'll never see each other in basic search or in our matching algorithm and, and it allows them to search uh, without fear of their employer finding out and you know maybe getting angry with them. Is there any more that's done to, I mean, do you block at some point in the stage, you know, their name being shown or anything else about them on the site? Right. Because you're anonymous, you're basically, we're searched and matched strictly on your skill sets and your experience. And so there's no name, no picture, no, no information, no personable identifiable information on your profile. You have a public profile and a private profile. And so what happens is whenever you agree with an employer, to connect, at that point, you share your private profile information with that employer so they have your name and your information at that point. You know, I wonder that this could really help a lot of companies with their diversity-based um, initiatives. Um, you know, often there is a, some set of bias or discrimination that's happening, whether intentional or unintentional, based on people's names, based on, you know, maybe where they're located, things like that. Um, and it's hard for companies to reach some of their goals. So imagine having a process like this where you're connecting people based on skills um, and they're not initially seeing where they're located necessarily or where, 
what their names are or anything else about them. It's more about their skills, and then they can move on to the second step. That may be a big benefit for companies as well. Has has that come up ever as, as far as a, a takeaway or a, a benefit? Oh, yes. I've, I've, you know, we've had some booths at a few of the SHRM conferences, and a lot of the HR managers and the people that have come to our booth have just been totally excited about this because they have the fear of, any potential unintended, you know, biases, and and they really love our concept, and and they think this is a great, great process to where they have some sort of protection, um, you know, when they're when they're out searching. Right, and I, I can imagine that should also then be a benefit for job seekers. They can feel like they're getting a fair assessment, and they're being, you know, connected with employers based on their skill set first. Um, so it That's sounds right. like you've got a pretty good process in place there, both for job posters and job seekers, uh, really looking to get to the right company based on, you know, what they have done uh, in the past. That's correct. That's well, correct. well, maybe what are some of the typical costs associated with using a service like you? I mean, what, you know, are the takeaways that maybe can kind of compare? How does your system work compared to, I won't mention any of your other competitors, but we know sure. who they are. Uh, you know, what, how does that, you started to allude to it earlier, but how, how does that kind of work? Right. Yeah, well, as how, how I mentioned, you know, you even though you may purchase a, a token to contact a uh, job seeker or vice versa, and if you don't get a response or the, uh, the job seeker uh, declines your request, then your token is returned to you to use for someone else. And so the, t- the typical token is, is uh, $25 for the job poster, and we wanted we wanted the job seeker to have some skin in the game because nowadays there are a lot of people that are just kicking the tires and they're not, they're just trying to see what's out there. But when you actually ask them to come in for an interview, they never show up. And so to, to really be able to, to send out the herd, I think that with the $10 fee that we have for the job um, seeker, it actually it, it gives them the, uh, uh, the employer the ability to understand that this guy's a serious candidate because he's paying money to come in. Um, we do also have the ability to where we're making some changes to sites where the employer can offer to pay that for the seeker once they come in the interview and reimburse them for that also. So typically that's it. I mean, you can post for free. You can post as many jobs as you want, as often as you want, wherever you want, um, and there's no charge. No charge at all. It's well, only a success uh... Uh, say that. I'm sorry. What was that last part again? It, it, it's only the success fee. Only when you have success and you match with someone who wants to uh, meet with you. You know, agree to connect. Yeah, and I think you really put it out. Uh, you know, the right way. You really kind of framed it right. That's like when you go to Amazon. You, you you know, you find something you want, you buy it, and if you don't, you don't. Um, That's right. And so that makes a lot of sense. Well, uh, one of our uh, favorite questions we've started asking our, um, you know, our guests is about their process or maybe their uh, shortcuts, apps, you know, something that they maybe have added to their process uh, where maybe, uh, you know, it's really helped them uh, be more effective, be more productive. Is there is there something you've added to your life this year that maybe you might share with us that we might want to check out? Well, you're, you're probably going to laugh about this, but I've actually used this thing about 10 times during this call right now. Uh, it's an app called RoboKiller. That it stops all these robocalls that you get coming in from all around the country, people trying to sell you things. And it really, 
you know, it's amazing when you realize just how much of that junk you get on a daily basis and how much it affects your time. Um, and it's, it's almost like my life has gotten quiet since I've used this thing. And it's only, I think, like two ninety nine a month. And it's amazing how much it's uh, saved me on time. Yeah, um, I have used a similar uh, app. I've used that one. I think there's some other ones out there. But, um, yeah, having that on there is huge. <laughs> uh, it's amazing how many of these little calls come through. And I'm uh, pretty convinced that it's our cell phone carriers that are selling our data out to all these people. Um, That's right. You know, it's amazingly they get our phone numbers. So, Right, um, right. Well, what about books? Is there a book that uh, you're reading right now or uh, that you typically suggest people uh, check out? Well, for me, I'm not much of a book guy. I'm more, you know, with, with as many businesses that I have, I have several more businesses other than I uh, mentioned earlier. Um, but I'm more into keeping up with news and industry events um, is, is kind of my thing. And, is, and so are those uh, more industry periodicals or things like that? Is that where you spend most of your time with your reading? Yeah, and I and I do you know a lot of trade shows and and um, go go to um, the human resources events and typically the Sherm conferences and you know set a booth up there and I mean those those things kind of keep me going on the road quite a bit. So I, sitting down with a book is is uh, difficult for me. I get distracted easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's. Uh, uh, that's fantastic. So, um, you know, we really appreciate you being on the show with us today. Um, if people had, uh, you know, really only heard uh, one thing, if if they only paid attention to one thing while we were talking today, is there something you might hope that they would walk away with, that they would remember of, of all the important things that you said today? Well, to me, you know, the the online job industry has been outdated and uh, antiquated for quite some time. And it seems like all the new job boards that come out there, they just kind of more like putting lipstick on a pig. They're using the same processes and just in a different way, and they're not really changing or breaking the model. And that's, that's kind of what I thought about when creating work search to really just flip the whole thing upside down and really make something that's, that's really helping the industry and not taking advantage of, of people and, and uh, in hard situations, people looking for jobs or employers trying to fill needs. So I, I think if that, um, with the, the algorithm that we have matching skills and the anonymity factor, I think it's a real big thing to really, uh, and the free to post and free to search, it's, it's really, you know, big uh, helping, helping people financially and, you know, helping people get jobs and, and uh, companies move forward hiring people. Right, absolutely. Well, um, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more, if they want to find out more about WorkSearch.com? What's the best way for them to do that? They can easily reach me at Kenny at WorkSearch.com. That's my Kenny email at WorkSearch.com, and obviously they can go to WorkSearch.com. I'm sure they can find you on LinkedIn or anywhere else. But, uh, Kenny, thank you so much for your insights and giving our listeners some great things to think about and certainly uh, inspiring us with your entrepreneurial spirit to go and uh, tackle, uh, you know, issues and problems that you're seeing in the marketplace. Uh, it's certainly the way uh, I think most entrepreneurs look at the world. So thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it. All right, well, we'll take a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back with my second guest, Charles Lee. 
Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months. And the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that PeopleG2 offers something different. At PeopleG2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, PeopleG2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system, or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Talent Talk radio show. In case you missed our first guest, Kenny Berger, uh, with WorkSearch.com, you can get his interview uh, the next week or two on iTunes or iHeartRadio, where you can listen to all of our past shows. And you'll also be able to catch my next guest uh, and his episode there as well. Uh, don't forget, you can go to TalentTalkRadio.com, pick up our past shows, uh, and love for you to check out uh, the book, The Power of Company Culture, with so many stories from our past guests. And don't forget, we'd love to have you come on to Twitter right now, or if you're listening after the fact, Interact with us. Send a tweet to peopleg 2 Use that hashtag TalentSock. Let us know what you're thinking. What do you agree with? What do you disagree with? What should we be thinking about that maybe we didn't cover? Love to keep that conversation going on Twitter there with you. But let's go ahead and bring in my second guest, Charles. Thank you for being a part of the show today. Oh, thanks so much for having me. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? What's important for us to know, uh, you know regarding our conversation today and, of course, what you're doing over there at Ideation uh, Consultancy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm the founder of a company called Ideation. Uh, we're an idea execution company. So we basically work with um, both executives and entrepreneurs to help them refine some of their innovation concepts, as well as help them implement on some of the creative services side. And so, you know, most people, most companies, I guess, want to be innovative. They want to try to, you know, focus on the right things. How, how do you maybe define innovation and, as, a, as you begin your work inside of an organization? Yeah, the way that we um, define innovation is we uh, say really innovation is about problem solving, uh, I think, which sets kind of the conversation a little bit differently. So it's it's less about like just having creative ideas. Innovation, I think, is really focused on identifying a real need and then uh, solving for that need, whether it's through a product or service. And are there helpful ways that we try to, you guys maybe suggest companies or teams or yeah. whatever it may be, really frame the conversation around uh, the idea of innovation? Yeah, when you look at like all of the research and studies around innovation, it usually falls into three big buckets of thought. Um, and it's really asking what type of innovation are you going for? So maybe the first bucket might be around systemic innovation, and this has to do with the actual like business model or how you run a business or a company or an organization. Uh, so systemic innovation fundamentally, you know, obviously going to innovate and systemically requires 
uh, senior leaders on board and, you know, you require people at the highest level of the organization innovating. The second might be a product innovation, which may be taking something that already exists and making it that much better. So like when Intuit created TurboTax, they took kind of some of their core competency and made a software solution out of that. Or maybe uh, the third type of innovation might be an actual brand experience innovation where you change the customer experience as they come in line with your product or service. So part of framing innovation is really kind of understanding uh, what type of innovation are you going for versus just generally saying, hey, we should be more innovative. And, and are there, you know, maybe some common challenges or places where companies kind of get tripped up on innovation? Yeah, I think uh, I think you reference things like this quite often. That is definitely like some common challenges include like culture, lack of commitment as a culture to innovation. Uh, there may be lack of senior support for actually innovating. I know a lot of senior leaders may uh, definitely like the topic of innovation and to talk about it, but it's a whole other thing to actually implement it. Sometimes, um, you know, there may be challenges around, like, clarity around, like, what are really the goals for innovating, or do we even have a process to innovate? Uh, and sometimes those challenges also, it's because people, uh, organizations become pretty inward focused or just on their industry. The great thing about innovation is it's awfully, uh, often like the intersection of a couple of seemingly unrelated concepts or people intersecting. So staying focused on your industry is obviously very important, but going outside of it to spark, you know, ideas by, you know, listening to how others think about problem solving might be a good way to uh, become a more innovative entity. You know, and so as we talked about culture, where where does culture really play in that role of innovation? Because, you know, I've seen I've seen different examples work really well. There are cultures that seem to be able to be innovative very well. Yeah. And then there are other cultures where they have admitted, they understand that their core group is not going to be innovative and they're going to have to take that innovation group and remove them from the primary company, right? And put them in a different building, put them in a different state, yeah. you know, completely separate it in order to have people thinking that way. So, you know, where do you really feel the, the best place for culture to really, you know, be the driver for it? Yeah, you know, as you've probably seen, Mike, I mean, there's always challenges to, depending on the size of the business. Obviously, if you have thousands of employees, then uh, creating culture becomes that much more challenging. So creating culture for Google is definitely not an easy endeavor. You know, Eric Schmidt, uh, has to share that uh, in the past as well. Uh, but as in a general principle for like mid to small size businesses and such, I think definitely culture trumps strategy a lot. And so even if you have a vision or direction, culture is really kind of the day-to-day -day behavior, the environment, uh, just kind of um, the overarching experience of the employee uh, that bleeds out to the customers. And so, uh, innovation, a big part of it is it, it, it's really hard to make innovation a one-off endeavor for a business because when you do that, you kind of miss out on uh, innovation kind of takes time. And there's been some studies that show that, you know, if a company is committed to a culture of innovation, the ROI that comes out of that begins to speed up over time versus if you do it as a one-off endeavor, it's really hard to gain momentum uh, without creating a culture around it. 
Yeah, and there's uh, I think you brought up a good point, one of which I didn't really address, which was the size is a really big part of it. Um, yeah. You know, um, if you're Google or you are a one or two person shop, I mean, how you deal with innovation is going to be radically different. And absolutely, yeah. most of us being somewhere in the middle, I guess, have to really take our cues from maybe companies closer to our size or stories with companies that were successful, what they did at that level, right? Um, to, to be successful and to think about innovation. Uh, I know for us, it's been important to get away from our day-to-day stuff and have those conversations at least away from the monotony of the day and, and what we're doing to shake our brains loose and start thinking about things in an innovative way. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, um, you know, what are some things that maybe leaders need to keep in mind um, as they're starting to lead these initiatives and if, if they want to put innovation at the top of their list, uh, are there specific things that you see that leaders do well or they should be thinking about? What is sort of your advice in that area? Yeah, um, there's so many like resources out there. And as you just kind of mentioned, like the size of the business, the stage of growth, all of those factors are in there. And I think um, leaders, first of all, need to see that there's plenty of help out there and plenty of models. Uh, we actually recently uh, participated in a, a study of, of corporate brands that are uh, developing innovative cultures. And, you know, whether it is like uh, you're going to create an you know, innovation center of excellence or create an entrepreneur program or participate in uh, accelerators or invest in startups, there's multiple ways of kind of sparking that innovation. And as a leader, it's one commitment to developing a culture uh, it's also being patient, knowing that innovation actually takes time. And as you're, you're kind of an expert in this, is it takes time to build great culture. Um, but that change, that you know, that change cycle is not easy for people. It's not easy for people to adopt new ways of doing business. So being patient enough to go through kind of when people enter like a trough of disillusionment and wondering, you know, where the future will actually go. And being patient enough for people to um, align themselves as well as integrate some of the new ideas that are coming in and giving them time to enter a productive season based on the new idea are things that can be done. And the other thing is to, you know, go outside of your field. Uh, I encourage leaders a lot that, um, you know, since innovation is sparked often from unexpected sources, like attend a conference a year that's outside of your field and just kind of see what other industries are doing to solve problems. I love that one. And that's, um, I think, where people fail is they're only going to their own industry conferences. I mean, if you can get to some leadership things like Inc. or, for, you know, some other things yeah. like that, you might get a cross, you know, kind of breeding of ideas and things that people are thinking about. But, yeah, you're right. If you can get to something else, it's totally not your thing. Uh, I I occasionally will attend a, of a CEO group and they have a sister group for healthcare and I will go to that sometimes. I have nothing to do with healthcare, <laughs> but just listening to them talk about their challenges and the things they're doing to solve it. I, it always right. gives me great ideas um, just because they're thinking about things in a different way. And I'm, and I'm not burdened by all of the things I'm normally burdened by. I can think about their challenges in a completely different way. So, uh, it's a great idea for people to get out there and, um, Think, think in different ways and be exposed to different challenges and ideas and people and ways of thinking. And uh, we've mentioned on the show before, but uh, to, for me, that's why Scrum and Agile has been so successful in bringing yeah. you know, people on a team that 
You got someone from marketing and someone from IT and someone from customer service trying to figure out how to make, you know, the software do something. You get a lot better solutions when you have sort of these cross departmental ideas um, and people with different, uh, you know, skills and and benefits and and experiences coming together to come up with it instead of just leaving it up to one group, which is usually the IT group, to figure out how to how to make it right. Right. <laughs> yeah, and study after study, I think, supports that. I think in our client work, we've seen that where, you know, even within companies, um, there's a wealth of uh, expertise and insights that just aren't normally tapped into because they don't fit the category of people that normally decide on innovation. Right. Well, um, one of our uh, kind of new questions this year, and we're, we're loving the answers we're getting because they're just so incredibly varied. Is there an app or a process or something that you've added to your life this year that you might share with us that maybe we ought to think about adding to our lives too? Yeah, I think a big thing for me in uh, leading a business is like managing information and staying organized. So for me, uh, I'm sure some of your other guests have said the same thing, but like, you know, apps like Slack and Trello uh, help to kind of streamline communication. Slack is a great platform of being able to do um, communications within teams. And it's been great because it's re- greatly reduced our email usage. Mm-hmm. And Trello is a simple visual organization app that helps you just kind of stay track with deadlines and it, you can collaborate on it and really easy to use. Uh, a couple of other personal things for me just kind of benefit uh, is one, I mean, I, I'm a huge connoisseur of uh, various types of uh, podcasts, but I also like apps like Headspace. Uh, which is a you know just kind of a personal creating space through uh, meditation type of app, and then also listening to a lot of books through Audible uh, as I drive from uh, different uh, appointments and such. Those are all great ones, and certainly uh, Headspace has come up a few times. I think it came up last week as well. Um, oh really? And I always throw in there that uh, I use Brain.fm. It's an app and a website, and I love it because it gives me both. Uh, Meditation, and also if I really want to focus, it will do a different type of uh, process to help you focus or relax or whatever it is you want to do. So there's some great ones out there, um, and people should definitely be taking advantage of that. Um, what about books? Is there you mentioned Audible, so certainly you yeah. are reading books. What is there a book that you're yeah. reading right now, or one that you typically suggest that people check out? Yeah, the last two uh, over the last couple of months, I just finished a couple of books. Uh, one is Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. I've been kind of on this kick to just listen to stories of founders of companies and organizations. So that was a great book about the Nike story. And then I just finished one uh, called Elon Musk by Ashley Vance. And that just, I mean, obviously Elon's life is not over. I'm not even sure if he's at halftime yet, but uh, just kind of understanding the early beginnings of everything from SpaceX to Tesla. Uh, It's been a fascinating journey. And then I have on cue... Um, I've been a longtime Gary Vaynerchuk fan, so uh, his book Crushing It um, came out on Audible, so I'm about to consume that as well. Well, Shoe Dog was one of my favorite books that we read in our book club last year, um, and uh, it really is a thrilling story. If you want to, you wouldn't think yeah. a story about a founder of a <laughs> shoe company would be thrilling, but it really is. Um, and I went to Japan this uh, summer and really loved kind of feeling like I was experiencing some of the things that he mentioned the first time he went to Japan. I'm certainly, it, it's grown up since then, but um, yeah, I, it really was a tremendous story. 
Uh, and I usually suggest if anyone really loved uh, Shoe Dog that they would love, uh, which I think was the all-time favorite book our book club ever did, was, which is The Boys in the Boat. Yeah. Um, and that is a phenomenal book. If anyone or you or anyone else out there hasn't, hasn't read it, I highly suggest that one along with Shoe Dog. They're great stories, you know, kind of have a hard time putting the books down. They're that kind of uh, keep you keep you captivated. Totally. Um, well, uh, we talked about a lot of things here today. Uh, is there something in particular that, you know, if someone had only been half paying attention that you really hope they would walk away and remember <laughs> from our conversation today? Yeah, if there's one thing is I think um, the topic of innovation is sometimes people kind of remove themselves from the conversation because they don't think they're innovative. And and I think the core idea is that, look, innovation is really about problem solving. And I think most of your listeners are actively involved in solving problems and then creating solutions that lead to products and services. So just to encourage that, um, you know, it's, it's less about being creative uh, which is a subset of innovation. You need some creativity, but if you focus on solving meaningful problems, there's a good chance that that will lead to more empathy about who you're serving because you probably want to put yourself in their shoes, uh, is that it'll yield to a lot of things that will benefit your business. And creating space to actually innovate uh, sounds kind of common sense, but unfortunately not practiced enough uh, by leaders. Well, and, and the question that just popped in my head that I'm wondering why we never even asked you here today was, how in the heck did you get involved in innovation? And where is this that you know, this idea came from? How did you land in to start doing this yeah. all the time? Um, uh, early on, um, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs, so we're always solving problems for how to scale our various businesses. Uh, my parents uh, owned a franchise. They've uh, they've always taught me like how to scrap, as especially as immigrants to this country. I came when I was five years old. It was all about like how do you get to the next point, and I just developed this knack of being resourceful and getting from point A to point B towards a greater vision. Uh, and then you know the more I read, I realized man, over ninety percent of innovation projects fail within businesses, and so I thought, hey, there's an opportunity here to help people execute better. And you know whether their uh, obstacles are culture, decision-making process, whatever that may be, I just began to specialize in helping them think through those problems. And and we've been very fortunate. We were turning nine as a company this year, and and we haven't had to go look for a client yet, which has been a huge huge blessing to our business. Well, anyone who's an entrepreneur out there, you know, I've had two examples today of people that saw a need and recognized. You know what was happening um, from an experience or some sort of a data point. I went out and created a company and is having success at it. And I think that's where entrepreneurship is at its best and where we can really find passion and success um, among among all of the important things. And you know, instead of just saying I want a business, which franchise can I buy, or you know, right. what can I do that will make me money? I think you know, you and and our first guest really have shared. I saw a need. I saw something that you know needed needed help that I was passionate about and was able to go and and make that happen and and be successful at it. So, uh, thank you for sharing that story and and kudos to you. Thank you. Well, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more? Um, again, bringing more clients to you. So, if you hadn't had to look yet, maybe we'll send you a few more and keep that streak going. <laughs> That'd be wonderful. <laughs> uh, how can they learn more about the ideation consultancy? 
Yeah, so our company uh, web address is uh, theideation.com, or they can just kind of Google ideation uh, consulting, and we should show up. Uh, for me personally, um, I'm all around all the social channels at Charles, the letter T, Lee. Um, so any anything just looking at Charles Lee or Charles T. Lee works. And then I also have a book uh, out that was published a few years back called Good Idea, Now What? Um, and so that's, that's those are some of the ways that people can connect. Well, fantastic. I'd uh, love to have you come back at some point and give us an update on how you're doing. But thank you so much for joining our show today. Thanks for having me. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the show. Hopefully you gained something you can use in your own career in a positive way. Next week, my guest will be Bruce Bolger, the CEO, founder of International, excuse me, for the International Center of Enterprise Management, and Brittany Barton, the CEO of Apex Generational Leadership. Until then, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.